Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Charles Hamaker. Today, I am only joined by Bennett. Hello, Bennett. Uh, hello. Uh, Omari is out of town for today, so we will be Omari-less today. So, you know, not the end of the world, but still, uh, Omari will be with us in spirit today. We have uh, the past few weeks have been pretty dry. Let's just get, you know, let's get out of that, out of the way. It's been pretty dry, pretty barren, pretty sad. Uh, but we've got some game action, uh, some offseason news, and some new additions to the University of Washington Athletics Department, uh, at least on the podcast, not in like real life. There's not, they're not adding more sports. It's not like they're adding table tennis to UW. Um, so there's, there's actual content to get to you today. So let's get right into it. With our Seattle Seahawks news, there is no game information, quite obviously. Um, but team notes around the league, uh, quarterback Russell Wilson has continued to be in the news for the past few weeks. And ever since, really, um, we first heard Super Bowl weekend about some rumors. Uh, the latest would be that Russell Wilson stated that he is frustrated with getting hit too much. And he did an interview with, uh, who was it, Dan Patrick? Um, and he also said he wants more say uh, in the Seahawks acquisitions. And then ex-teammate Brandon Marshall, who was like a Seahawk for six games, says that Wilson is trying to move on in a classy way. Brandon Marshall uh, apparently is in Russell Wilson's head and knows everything he wants to do. Um, Obviously, uh, I think we've – well, oh, yeah, I didn't have anybody last week. It was just me. Um, I think we've kind of discussed it. I don't think Russell's going anywhere. Um, one, it wouldn't make sense logically. I mean, financially, the team can't take on a $40 million uh, dead cap hit. Um, and two, it would be stupid to just trade the, probably the thing that's keeping your franchise afloat uh, when it comes to like top players who, who are most valuable to this team, I guess you could say. Um, so just to get to Brendan Marshall's comments, uh, do you, do you think Russell's trying to move on in a classy way or is he, is, is he using his voice to advocate and put pressure on the front office to go out and improve that offensive line? Um, well, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things and Seahawks, Seahawks Twitter has been buzzing about this one. Um, but I think it's one of those things that's just, it's just there to kind of stir up the pot. I think it's there for Russell to, gain some leverage for the Seahawks to kind of start getting him an O-line. I think it's kind of the same thing as when Rodgers was like, and we can call him Rodgers again because he's out. He, he, hmm. didn't, he didn't win the Super Bowl. We can call him Rodgers again. Um, Rodgers, who deserved the MVP vote. Now that, now that that's passed, I can say with my full chest, I was kind of thinking it would be him since the half mark of the season, just like everybody else. But, you know, when Rodgers was like, Oh, you know, I really wish we'd start drafting some weapons, and then they turn around and draft uh, Love, right? No, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, what's Jordan Love? Yeah, Jordan Love. Um, I get him and Hurts confused, which is kind of funny because that's Love Hurts. Uh, You're hilarious. I know I'm fucking funny, but and now we gotta make it. I'm sorry. Oh God, just bleep. We're just we're like 
two minutes in. Just cut it out. Just cut it out. Just cut that part out. Just cut me saying that word out. All right. Uh, but, you know, they turn around and um, draft Love. And then uh, Rogers is like, well, what the heck's going on here? And yeah, I think it's kind of the same bizarre. thing. Russell's Russell's been like, please get me an O-line so I don't get hit. I'm sure he's been saying it internally, too. And I don't mean in his head. I mean, you know, within the team walls. Like, please get, like, within the organization, he's probably been like, Schneider, Pete, please, like, get me some guys to protect me. And Here, you get, can have B.J. Finney. Yeah, you get B.J. Finney. You get, <laughs> uh, you get Cedric Obwehi. Like, yeah. Brandon Shell wasn't a bad. Well, Brandon Shell was a bad pickup, and I was about to get to that. I was just going to say that, oh, like, yes, the pickups from the free agency and the pickups from the trade market aren't aren't bad moves per se. Dwayne Brown wasn't a bad move. Uh, Brandon Shell wasn't a bad move. Um, but then you look at like trading away someone like Unger in what was that 2015, mm. and you just wonder why. You know, you go, well, why would you do that? And I know Unger was kind of, he was getting older, but he was still one of the best centers in the league at the time. Russell Okung went out and left the team too. And it's just like, uh, some of these guys, you let them walk, and then all of a sudden you have the worst O-line in the league. And then Seahawks fans are like, well, Russell must want to leave. And I'm like, honestly, he probably doesn't want to leave, but he probably also doesn't want to get hit 396 times in the last four years. So, I mean... I think, yes, it doesn't show that he wants to leave. I think, yes, that's not true. But what I do think it shows is that he's starting to get frustrated with the organization for not protecting him. It's just like how Rodgers doesn't feel like they're giving him enough weapons. And it's, you know, it's crazy that he made it this far anyways. He made it to the NFC Championship game that he should have won. And then maybe we'd be seeing him be Super Bowl MVP too. But then you just, you you get to see... Russell sitting here with no O-line. And uh, I think it's proving that the O-line is way more important than people think because Rodgers has no weapons, has a good O-line. He makes it to the NFC Championship. Wilson has, I don't know, two of the best weapons in the NFC. No O-line. Doesn't make it past the first round. Makes you think. And, we, I mean, I don't know. This this whole season is proving that the O-line is the most important part of the game, pretty much. It get, it's the core of your offense. You look at the Super Bowl, the only reason the Chiefs didn't light it up like they usually do is because they didn't have their tackles, and Patrick Mahomes couldn't get any coverage. And all the people saying, oh, well, Russell, he just he holds the ball too long. Well, he holds the ball too long because we did play some pretty damn good coverage teams. Damn isn't explicit. He played some pretty good coverage teams in the last half of the year, so he couldn't necessarily just dart it out to DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf was getting locked up by, oh, this, that, or the other. Um, and then, you know, you don't always necessarily want to do those jump routes because you can also make a really bad mistake on those jump routes. Like we saw with that pick six on the wide receiver screen, not a common occurrence, but it can still happen. So what I'm saying is, yeah, he holds the ball a little too long sometimes, but that's because there's good coverage. And historically, the rest of the times it's because, I mean, he's scrambling for his life out there because the pocket collapses in under a second. So I think that. Sure, you can ascribe some of the blame to Russ, maybe in the last four games of this season, including the playoff game against the Rams. But also, you have to realize that there's this is a this is a person. This is a person out there. 
He's getting the crap kicked out of him left and right. He's going to start saying, hey, I'd like it if that wouldn't happen, please. And I don't think it should be a big deal. I think we should go, you know what, Russell, you're kind of right. We should start building a group around you so we can have you, our best player on our whole team, hands down. Maybe Bobby Wagner is up there with him, but right now he's the best player on our team. And yeah, and in terms of value, I don't think it, you know, I don't in think it is. Value, no one even comes close. No one even comes close. No. no one. Not a single person on that team comes close to Russell Wilson in terms of value to the organization and the value that another organization would inherit if they were to get him. So if you want to keep your quarterback happy, build an O-line around him, and then he won't start saying stuff like this, and then you won't have the entire media scrambling to figure out who's going to trade for him, and I'm sure as hell not going to be the Jets. <laughs> Nick Wright's a clown for that one. I don't know anything. That was, that was bizarre. I mean, really. Like, if, we, if, if, if Seattle ever uh, accepted a trade with Jimmy Garoppolo in it, uh it would be a dark day in Seattle. It'd be a very, very dark day. And I mean, um, to get away from Jimmy Garoppolo slander, uh, I think it makes some good points. And I think some of those things can be true in agreement with each other. I think Russell can hold the ball sometimes. And yes, that is, uh, can be attributed to coverage. And hopefully with Shane Waldron, they're able to get away with stuff that's, you know, too long developing or, right. you know, staying using the same plays uh, over and over again. You, you had to get creative and Russell, I mean, Russell stated his confidence in Waldron, which is a good thing. And he was a part of the Rams passing game that does quick stuff and had better pass protection because they were able to get the ball out quicker. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's to say that he's just, he wants out is ridiculous. It's they're making nothing out of something, something out of nothing. Pardon me. Um, and I think, oh, it's it's funny you say Russell Okun. Uh, I think part of what Seattle Seattle's issue was for a while, like when they still had Tom Cable, uh, and with uh, our our friend George Fant, and this is not George Fant slander. Please don't think I'm <laughs> cursing George Fant. He's a lovely man. Uh, thank him for his two catches as a Seahawk, uh, among other things. But you know, I mean. Russell Okun's not horrible, but he had his mistakes. He had his flaws, right? And they did a poor job of replacing him. That's my thing is they did a poor job of replacing these guys. Yep. And they tried to put in like uh, stop, stop uh, plug-ins. Just guys, you know, Alvin Bailey and Riz Adiambo. Riz Adiambo, who famously uh, Russell tripped over in that Atlanta game and they got the safety. Yeah. That was Riz Adiambo, I'm pretty sure. Uh, just guys that, you know, weren't necessarily – qualified to protect a quarterback of Russell's caliber. Maybe you could go and play on the Jets or the Jets slander or the Jaguars. But, you know, when you got Russell Wilson, it's going to be a priority to at least protect him. I get it. He used to have the elusivity factor and he can, you know, get out of the pocket. But when it's a combination of not making those plays for him to get out of the pocket, not letting him run and give that sort of balance to the offense, calling the same plays and being repetitive, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff where it's like there are there are things that need to be addressed, and upgrading the O line is one of them. I think there are at least right now, in terms of the like, if we're looking at long term, at some point Dwayne Brown's going to retire, and you're going to need a new left tackle. But for now, okay, I think you're going to need a left guard and a center, depending on what you want to do with Ethan Pochich. 
because from what I understand, he had a good year, but he kind of petered off at the end of the at the second half. Just like everybody else. Yeah. And Damian Lewis, Damian Lewis did a good job of drafting him. I think he'll be good. Uh, oh, but like, how does his name get away from me? What's uh, Brandon Shell? Right. There's a couple guys you need to fill in, and you can't just play around anymore. You need to get a solid replacement, a guy that is a quality starter. You were going to say something? I interrupted you. No, no, no. I interrupted you. I was just going to say that at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that even though Jordan uh, Brooks might be a good he might be a good plug and play guy. Cause I think that's what he is right now. And I think we can develop them into a starter, but at the right, at the time he's still just not exactly like, I think that's, it's just Tom Cable was infamous for the plug and play. Wait, who did you say? Did I say Jordan Lewis? I thought you said Jordan Brooks there. I was like, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about off. Yeah. yeah I got tripped up. I might've said Jordan Brooks on accident. Um, but I just, I think we need a top prospect next year which we're not going to get, by the way, because we don't have a first-round pick. Yeah, not in the draft, at least. It's going to have to be via trade or by for signing, depending on who's available. Right. Um, so we're not going to get one through the draft, which sucks, because I'd love to see a young guy get in there and be consistently good for us. Um, so we're not going to go in from the draft. We're not going to get one from – probably not going to get one from trading, because I don't know how much trade capital we have right now. Uh, unless we, uh, Carson is Carson. Carson's not a free agent yet. No, I think he's a free agent. Is he? Pretty sure. I oh, I will check actually. Cause I'm known if he's uh, restricted. Um, no, he's not restricted. If he's a free agent, he's a free agent. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's yeah. a free agent. Cause this was his big, his big year. Yeah. It was his prove it year. Yeah. So I'm not sure what draft capital we necessarily have or not draft capital trade capital. We necessarily have because when it comes down to it, uh, people are going to be looking for picks and stars right now, I guess. Like the teams that are going to be the most valuable to trade with. Because a good team has a good O-line. That's kind of actually just how the NFL works right now. Because mm-hmm. we're such a passing-focused league and a lot of people discount pass protection. And um, It's like, do you think Tom Brady's playing behind a crap line? No, no he's, he's playing, playing against. He's playing behind a good line. Playing behind a good line. Same with Rodgers, same with Allen, same with... Uh, Roethlisberger to an extent I don't know what the hell happened to them they had a they had a terrible we we had the same and, and one of their linemen retired in we the, had the same season as them but their season imploded harder than ours um Corvette 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 ants on that midfield baby wow um I just think that it, it, it just needs to be something that we focus on and we've built ourselves into a corner where we cannot pursue these goals enough. And I get why Russell's getting mad. And honestly, do you want to push over quarterback? Who's just like, no, it's fine. I can get the crap kicked out of me every game. It's okay. Cause that's what we had for seven years in Russell. He was just kind of like, no, no, man, this is good. This is good. Good team win. I got sacked 12 times by the Cardinals. I fumbled twice. Uh, I barely only recovered them, uh, and we lost twenty-one to to to, to twenty. Uh, but still, great game, good team win. Do you still want that? Do you want that out of the quarterback? Because I'm tired of the scripted BS that he pumps out after every game. And I'm glad that at the end of the season he started to take a stance and say, "No, the offense was run poorly in the second half. Not my call. I don't have a good O line. Not my call." 
The numbers I put up and the numbers that made me look bad weren't my call. The first half of the season, when I was the best quarterback in the league, hands down, bar hold none, even Aaron Rodgers couldn't catch up to me. Uh, that was That's how our offense should always be operating. But the Seahawks apparently have never seen two good sides of football, only always one of them got to be shit. Except in rare cases. Except but for the majority, yes. It's it seems like there's always yeah, no. I mean when you think about years past, it's either the, the defense is playing really well and the offense is mediocre at best. Or the offense is great and the defense, you know, couldn't stop a fly getting by him. So it, it's it's very pivotal this this offseason. It's very pivotal because and honestly, I think it does uh sorry for interrupting you, but just a quick I think it just does dictate whether you see Russell Wilson here for the rest of his career or you see oh, yeah. No, you're right. And he like buzzes off to like the, the Falcons or something for the last two years of his career before he fades into obscurity. Yeah. He'll he'll do the funny photo shoots with Sierra and he might do some dumb dances and, but no, uh, that's, that's what I was getting to. It's, it's really pivotal that they don't screw this off season up. Cause if you want to mess around and get some backup from, Oh, I don't know, you know, Chicago. Oh God. Don't bring back a Fetty. Um, <laughs> you know, just like another uh, BJ Finney move. You got to get somebody who's proven in quality and they can create cap space. They've only, I don't, I'm not a cap guru. But Evan Hill has, you know, you can create cap space by extending people, which I didn't know. Um, well, it so, makes sense because it, it it extends the money over a longer yes. period of time, mm-hmm. right? Which I hadn't thought about. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know. So, I mean, Tyler Lockett's coming up. Get that man an extension. Jamal Adams is coming up. Get that man an You know, it, it there's moves to be made, and they can be made. Um. So there's a move potentially that we'll be talked about here in a sec, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Someone made a comment. It's like, how come every off season, the Seahawks fans know the problem uh, and Pete Carroll doesn't seem to know the problem. They, they know the problem more than the head coach. So, you know, I, I really do hope that they, they just grow up and address the offensive line as it should be. Um, they've been getting more calls on Russell Wilson, but the team is unwilling to move them, move him. Pardon me. Um, and according to Josina Anderson, the team stated that he's not available, which I mean, come on, it should be obvious. Anybody that's trying to stir up the rumor mill about a team trading a guy who has a no trade clause and has a $40 million dead cap hit. Come on, please get it together. It's like I said, everybody, Oh, is he going to get traded? No. If he is, well, yeah, not this year, at least. I mean, a year or two for now, I can't say. Because we're not there yet, but uh, then the move that I was talking about and that uh, Bennett and I and Amari have uh, spoken a little bit about is uh, within the past few days, uh, it's been reported that the Eagles have spoken to Seattle and Indianapolis about potentially trading for tight end Zach Ertz, and uh, Bennett sent the joke that uh, it was the yearly acquire the out of their prime tight end. Uh, for Pete Carroll and it's you know if if this was like two or three years ago trading for Zach Ertz would be an exciting prospect but now I really don't care for it 
I know, man. It's like Jimmy Graham, Ed Dixon. Well, and the thing with Jimmy Graham is they utilized him wrong for the first like year or two. And then in his last year as a Seahawk, they actually used him correctly. And then he was gone. And it's like, oh, okay. Cause like they tried to make him block. And it's like, if you know who Jimmy Graham is, you know, he doesn't block. Right. Well, at least not the Jimmy Graham that I'm accustomed to. I don't know what he did in Chicago this year besides catch that pass at the end of the playoff game and then run into the tunnel. Uh, and <laughs> just went home. He just went home. Um, I mean, they used him in the red zone. They used him for jump balls. They got him the ball. And that was in the last year that we had him. And it's like, why weren't you doing this when you first acquired him? And I'm going to pose. Big... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, that was just the thing when you trade for him. It's like, oh, Seattle couldn't get it in on the goal line and the stupid Super Bowl 49 thing. He'll help in the red zone. And then they didn't use him in the red zone. It's like, uh, Daryl Bevel, I don't know if the powers that be held him back and told him to run the ball more. But if it was Daryl Bevel, I don't know how you don't see this six seven behemoth of a man and say, hey, we should throw that guy the ball. Uh, so, yeah, Zach, I don't know. Zach Ertz, uh, I mean, Ed Dixon. Ed Dixon's funny. Forgot about Ed Dixon. Um I mean, with Greg Olson last year, it's like maybe um, – I don't know what he's got left in the tank, but maybe I'd be more enthused about it if we used our tight ends better last year. Because I don't know. It didn't feel like we got them incorporated as much. You know well, I mean? I mean, that's because we Will Disley went out early and then Hollister came in and was really only used as a you know mid, mid-range passer target. Yeah, like almost a check-down guy. Um. I but I mean like at the end of the day we don't we don't need a pass catching tight end because we have DK Metcalf. You want a pass catching tight end? There he is. He's not a tight end. Doesn't matter. <laughs> what are you going to use a pass catching tight end for? An extra wide receiver on the field because that's and basically we have, how we use them. Yeah, and we have priorities over him. So exactly, like, you know it. I don't get it. I understand that uh, I think I don't remember when they said it, but John Schneider uh, and or Pete Carroll said that they're always looking at things. I'm like, well, I mean, if you can get the guy for a bag of peanuts or like a fifth rounder or something, sure, go ahead, fine. But you're not because the Eagles. Yeah, but you're not. And if Indianapolis wants him, and Indianapolis will probably get a good tight end at some point, they'll want to pair it with a good tight, uh, a good quarterback. Sorry, if they acquire a good quarterback, whoever they do, they're going to want to pair a good tight end. That would be fine. I'd be okay if he stayed in that division. Um, I think we'd have to play him regardless. I think we We would because I think we play the Colts next year. Uh, Don't come to the 49ers. Deshaun, please. So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll text him this uh, this recording and make sure he knows not to come. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, there's – we. I mean, let's let's think historically. Think about the Super Bowl teams, okay? Jack Miller – Zach Miller was great, love him, you know, but he he was used very sparsely over his career. He wasn't like, you know, Luke Wilson, hippie man in Super Bowl 49. That was one of the things I remembered after that game. We didn't use our tight ends. Yeah, it was an issue. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't don't think there's a tight end that really sticks out to me. And I mean, John Carlson, you remember John Carlson? No. (laughs) Don't remember John Carlson. He was on the, uh, I think he was on the Beast Quake uh, team. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's the point. There's no tight end really that sticks out. And you, oh my god, uh, uh, shoot, Jeremiah Stevens. You remember Jeremiah Stevens on the Super Bowl 2005 team? I was four. Okay. Well, I looked it up anyway. I've I've known it. You know why I remember Jeremiah Stevens? He was a Seah- he, he was a Seahawk, 
he he went to college at UW. Oh, okay, so he's a hometown he, hero. He got beat up by Hope Solo. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You can look like it up. like in high school. No, they were married. Oh, that's that domestic abuse case that yeah. that that broke. So yeah, there was there was some not stuff. cool. No. Um, so you know, but the point is getting away from Jer- Jeremy Jeremy Stevens. Um, Seahawks tight ends aren't exactly like Memorable. you know, look at tight end groups in this team's history and say, "Hey, these guys were very good." Yeah, it's an issue that our probably greatest of all time is Zach Miller, and he's not even as good as the other Zach Miller. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about the other Zach Miller. Um I'm glad he's able to walk after that leg injury. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's so yeah, I mean to get back to the point, it we've got we've got number one on the list, we've got bigger priorities here. We've got bigger fish to deal with. Ought to be. Ought there's to al- be. there's always a bigger fish. Um so I don't know. Like I said, if you were able to get him for something low then go ahead but you're not more than likely unless indianapolis is like really 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 low balling them which i don't think they are well i mean so, that makes me think about the whole discussion and discourse about oh should the seahawks have a have an interest in pursuing what and it's like to me i think i feel the same way you don't actually need him <laughs> i think he would help more than a zacharich would but I don't. Already have, I mean, is that true though? Because we have Carlos Dunlap. I mean, you put him on the other end. Yeah, you could, but Watt's a glass cannon, and that's a really expensive glass cannon. You're right. It, it, it all comes down to with with Watt. It comes down to what he takes financially, and he won't and... take a team friendly deal if he can go out to Pittsburgh and play with his brothers. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking he he ends up in some sort of yellow team, either Pittsburgh or Green Bay. I don't think he. Uh... As much as that would be nice, and I would really appreciate, I mean, because he brings leadership to the table. True. You know, he's he's a standout guy, and I'd love to have him on the team. But, like, realistically, I think he does end up in Pittsburgh with his brothers, or he goes back home to Wisconsin. Right. Wisconsin, and goes and plays with some cheeseheads. You know, I just, I think he he's, if, if we were to make a hypothetical list of guys that are being, like, free agent guys or whatever, or not, well, secondary, so you know what I mean? Like, guys for the off season. I think he'd be higher than Ertz, but it, 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 you bring up a good point. It's like, how much do you really want to give for this guy? If he goes and tears something, you know, early in the season. And it's for um, something that, again, I'd like to point out, we pretty much already have. Um, if that's cheaper too. I'd like to improve from like Benson Mayoa, but I don't know. Uh, and well, I mean, you've got Daryl Taylor in the wings um so you know it's yeah it's not it's not like these guys are pressing issues compared right. to an offensive offensive lineman so you know like a, a jj watt would be i would have an issue with it depending on money but uh, i i think it's unlikely um speaking of free agents uh shakim griffin stated that he wants to be back with seattle in 2021 which i would welcome uh but what are your thoughts on shakim and uh, potentially bringing him back because as we've talked about, I think last off season, there are different thoughts about him. Well, luckily he is an undrafted free or not an undrafted free agent. What is that called? Uh, unrestrict. No, a restricted free agent. Oh, he is a refreshment. Oh, perfect. Uh, so all he really needs to do is clear the post or clear the off season. And then he's back with our team or 
uh, somebody makes them an offer that we can match or, you know, go above. And then it's, I think it's up to him. Actually, no, it's not up to him because that's a call. That's the whole reason it's called a restricted free agent. Um, so like, yeah, I'd like to see him come back and I'd like to see him. I mean, we've both talked about it before that, um, this needs to be utilized more, which I would want to see, but like, well, what I was saying was like, he's, he's going to be good if you let him, you know, if you, if you let him be good, yes, not going to be good if you just kind of like keep him sitting on your bench, put him on your practice squad. You're not going to mm-hmm. see him produce, obviously. And then he's going to be a nothing player. But I think he has the opportunity to be some, like we've always been saying, you and I at least, I don't know about Amari, how he feels about Shaquem. But <laughs> he has some genuine speed off the edge. And mm-hmm. I know people just say he was a, again, this is just harkening back to things we've said on the podcast before, but I know a lot of people just say, oh, he's just a feel-good pick. I honestly don't think that's true. No. Because the Seahawks wouldn't waste a pick on a feel-good pick. If they would have done that, they would have drafted Taylor Mays in 2010. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Mays was very upset with Pete Carroll for not doing that. Yeah, because it would have been a feel-good pick because he yeah. wasn't as good as Earl Thomas. Uh, so, Or Bobby Wagner or anyone else that we could have drafted instead of Taylor Mays. Um, so I don't think it would be a bad idea to bring him back. He's not going to take an unfriendly team deal because he's not that good. He's not good enough to do that. And I think he wants to be here. He wants to be here, especially if his older brother's going to be here. Which I would hope so, too. Which I would hope so, too, because I think other cornerbacks are a little out of our budget. <laughs> and maybe Shaquille will be nice, if you're listening, and take a team-friendly deal so you can stick around and also play with your brother. So... Either way, I feel like both those guys should stay. Not just because I like them, because I do like them, but also because I like them at their positions. Yes. So that's my take. I just think if you utilize him right, he'll be a real team player and a real contribution. But if you don't, if you don't, then he won't. So yeah, let him walk. If you're not going to play him, let him walk. And yeah, I mean that's the thing is utilizing because I mean there's there's game tape of Shaquille getting good pressure primarily because of his speed and it's like i'm sure he's been developing while he's been on this team for the years that he has i mean it's just like you you keep him in a box and not don't let him play i don't i don't understand it because like i said there's game film so i don't know what they see that we don't see especially with the way that pass rush has been the last two years and he's gotten play you know i've seen him get play and like i remember in that uh the dallas game this year he he was spot. He made a good play on Dak in that last uh, last drive that they had, but I, you know, like I said, I don't know what's going on, uh, why he doesn't get on the field more. But like I said, uh, if it makes sense for both, like if it makes sense financially, I don't see why I don't bring him back, and I don't see why I don't utilize him. Um, and then the last order of Seahawks business, uh, today team president Chuck Arnold announced that there would be a ring of honor inductee this year, 2021 season, uh, as they did not want to have it last year with no fans. Uh, but they did not say who it would be. So Bennett, I would like to put you on the spot and I'm going to make you pick one, one and an alternate. I'll let you pick one and an alternate, uh, for who that ring of honor inductee would be this year. Cause I mean, he said inductee. 
So I don't know if it could be like, you know, the 2005 team. I think right. it means one person. So Yeah, and I, I mean, that makes sense because I don't think we've inducted a team yet. Oh, yeah. I think at some point they have to induct a Legion of Boom. Well, probably think. induct the inaugural team too, the 76 team. That would make sense. Um, I actually, I've met somebody who was on the uh, expansion draft. Very cool guy. Um, so there is two things in my head. One thing in my head is chronology. Are we going to do this in order? Because we've got, I think the last person is Walter Jones, right? Pretty sure. Um, might've been Cortez Kennedy. Either way, pretty recent guys. So chronology, are we going to do that? Because if so, like you said, we're probably looking at 05. If not, we're probably looking at 12 or 13. So I guess that uh, that kind of puts me in the spot. Second, big impact on the team. Big impact probably on the league, but actually we haven't really seen that so much because the recent people, I mean, Tez and Walters, not Walter, Jones, um, those are pretty much the most recent Seahawks from that era to have a big effect on the league. Probably mm-hmm. Kenny easily too, but I don't, is he? Yeah, he must be in the ring. He's in there. Um, so I think we, you know, we kind of, I kind of brainstormed this a little bit already. And I was, I was thinking that you were going to ask me this since we talked about it a little bit already. Um, so oh. like you said, Alexander probably is the, is the foremost choice, but my pick would probably be Hasselback first quarterback to get us to a Super Bowl, first quarterback to actually play decently for us for his career. Um, so that's my desire. I'd like to see him go into the ring of honor, really honor him. Um, well, Sean Alexander probably more important because he's the first MVP from our team and the last MVP from our team for quite some time, actually ever. Yes. I think that'd be pretty cool. He's a Madden cover star. Uh, and he was one of those guys whose careers ended a little early. So it'd be cool to honor him just because I think he gets buried under a lot of the league noise. Mm-hmm. Especially with guys like AP coming right after him. And then LT breaking his touchdown record like the next year. Yeah, pretty disrespectful. <laughs> he did the uh, cool finger roll and he had the visor so i think that yeah sean alexander is probably going to be it but i'd love to see matt hasselbeck and then i do have to correct myself the most recent inductee was paul allen um, in 2019 and then back 14 it was walter jones uh and then after that most recent is tez in 2006 um Okay, so we were close. We just forgot about Paul Allen. Oh, yeah. That's just because we were thinking about players more. Right. Um, so, yeah. No, I think I think those two guys are more than likely who it's going to be. Or Holmgren. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say next because I was looking here at the list, and uh, the, other, the only coach on the list is uh, Chuck Knox, and I think right. Holmgren has to be on there just because, you know, uh, obviously coach to get to the Super Bowl. So, you know, um uh, I think with your two alternates, those guys are probably the closest. And Holmgren, you'll have to lump him in there too because he'd have to be, I would assume. you know. So I think those, I mean, I think you have to go chronologically. At least that's what it looks like they've done. 
Um, yeah, it looks like it would have done because T- Kenny was in 2002, 2005 with Chuck Knox, Craig was in 2004. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that would make sense. But we will find out, I guess, in, oh boy, we have to wait, what, eight months probably? That's uh, just about, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Isn't that the home opener or whatever? I think it, oh, I don't know if they do it. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. They'll probably announce the inductees quite some time before. Probably, that, yeah, I would imagine so. Huh. Probably. They announce. They announce. It'll probably back. be such a big thing, honestly. When we get games back again, they'll make a big thing out of it. Yeah, uh, it'll be a big hurrah. Um, so that is Seahawks news. I don't know if we want to tackle revisiting the Super Bowl yet because there was a bet made. Um, <laughs> where's my? It was a bet. Oh shoot! Where is it? I think it was five dollars, right? It was ten dollars. Oh man! Where did my uh, post-it notes go? Well, technically, we don't. Oh, aha! Um, Omari bet that the score would be thirty-two to twenty-one, and you bet that the score would be forty-two to thirty. Um. <laughs> wow! Thanks, Patrick. My whole no, I'm kidding. Um. I don't remember what the exact score was, but we can revisit it. To nine. Uh, we can revisit it when we get both people in here, just because it's like we're talking about Omari when he's not actually here. Um, so I mean that was it. I think we all know what this happened in the Super Bowl, and I mean Ben and even talked a little about a little bit about it. So that is it for this week's NFL corresponding news. Uh, Seattle Mariners, we are getting closer and closer to Mariners news. Uh, we do have an actual piece of Mariners news, not MLB related. Um, the team brought back pitcher just eh, James Paxton on a one-year deal for $8.5 million, and it can go up to $10 million with incentives. Uh, Big Maple spent his first six years of his career with Seattle uh, and has a career ERA of 3.58 and an overall record of 57-33. and 33. Uh, Obviously, there was the section in the stands, uh, Big Maple Grove, so if we get fans back this year in some sort of capacity, I'm sure that somebody will be representing. I don't know if they can bring in the damn tree, but, you know. Um, so it's interesting because something that you pointed out when this uh, signing occurred was that it was a win-now move. Uh, so what do you think that this means for the state of our our team in response to – well, not in response, in accordance to where they are – in the rebuilding stage because I mean, 2020 was supposed to be the first full year of the rebuild, you know? Um, but with the way that the off season has gone and the lack of transactions and how DePoto said that there's a reason they haven't been making so many transactions in accordance with the roster. And then this deal, which is, I mean, a one-year deal for a, a guy that's pretty proven, I would say, uh, what, what do you think this means and how many years do you think we are from the playoff berth? Oh man. If you were to put a number out there. Can you repeat that whole thing? Um, you what, said what, how many, how many years? Yes. Cause I'm thinking my, my plan last year was two to three years. So now we'll jump up to one to two years. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, um but it seems, you know, with the play of the guys, the younger guys, and the potential to bring up guys like Kellenic, right. um, 
And then the, the, just this signing as it being a win now move, as you said, you know, I mean, do you think it means that they're uh, sort of getting ready for it or it's like they, they feel, or is it more that this is a team friendly thing to get Paxton, you know, kind of show himself off, um, you know, like a redemption year almost. Uh, what, what do you think about that? And if you had to put a number on playoffs, how many years away? Three, three or two, two or three. I'm going to agree with what you said last year. Because, and you know, it it is interesting that this move is very win now. Probably the biggest win now move we've done since getting Nelson Cruz or Robbie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it feels like the same sort of caliber, even though it didn't quite catch as much media attention because Paxson had the injuries, so on and so forth. But he was he was a hot button topic. People were looking at who was going to sign him pretty intensively. People were talking about um, Toronto, uh, you know, because he's from Canada. People were talking about the Yankees re-signing him, and as far as I know, the Mariners actually weren't even a part of most of those conversations. Um, and it's not it's a pretty team friendly deal. Um, what is it? Eight point seven guaranteed. Something like uh, that. 8.5. 8.5 guaranteed. So not crazy money. Yeah, maybe like maybe a little high end for one year. But it is James Paxton. He's he was our ace while he was here. Um and I mean to have him and Marco in the rotation, I mean, that's a pretty good rotation that I wouldn't spit at. But then you start looking at the rest of the team and you start wondering, well, I mean, are these gonna meld for a playoff run? I don't think so. So how are you going to necessarily keep Paxton around so that when we start to turn the ship around, maybe in a year, um, because I'm counting this season and next season, so that's two years. And then maybe, you know, next year we can be closer and so on and so forth. But quite honestly, I, I, I don't know where we are because I don't know what they're thinking. Cause I know DePoto said he's not necessarily dedicating playoff baseball this year. Mm -hmm. He was like, if we get there, we get there. Very non-committal answer that you don't actually really hear from baseball GMs. Usually baseball GMs are like football uh, managers who are like, yeah, we're going to get there. You'll see us in the, you'll see us in October or not October, September. Um, but uh, DePoto just doesn't feel like he's all, all in on running all the way to the playoffs this year and uh, breaking our streak of no appearances. So, I uh I feel like we're two years away still because I still feel like we have some of these set pieces to deliver even if we call guys like Kellenic up some way somewhere through this year even if we develop guys like Crawford and White we still have a long ways to go from being a playoff team especially because I don't know the the MLB feels saturated with superstars all of a sudden mm -hmm. like we weren't there three years ago it's crazy how much talent has boomed just recently and it's not even like new guys it's just these older guys finding a second life almost especially like i don't know some of these fellas in, especially in the eastern um divisions of both the al and the nl it's just and then we look at the dodgers and it's just i don't know some of these teams are really threatening it's like some of these teams like really stick out yeah like <laughs> LA, I mean, come on. And they added Trevor Bauer. I don't know how that worked. I mean, 
that's that's the thing with the MLB. They have no cap floor. There's no such thing. Salary cap's a myth in the MLB. So it's like if you've got money, you're it's... more than likely going to be good. <laughs> and you know, a lot of this had to do with team ownership for multiple years. Like we were owned by a foreign investment company, basically. Well, and then Howard Lincoln and that whole yeah front office was just terrible. And it's so. just we've had a notoriously bad front office. And I mean, yep, coach. Oh God, Z and. Yeah, I can't say his name. I don't know um, if I said it right. I might have butchered it. It was just, yeah. It's just like we've been a historically poorly managed team, and I think that Depoto steering us the right way with, uh, oh God, what's his I name? I don't know if Cervais is the guy to lead the team into the sunset. Neither do I. I was about to say the same thing. I think thing. he's a placeholder personally, but, you know. I don't think he's going to do anything for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. I think he's just a placeholder. Cervase is probably yeah he's probably a leaping for whoever comes next. Who's the guy before him? Oh shit! Was it McClendon? Was it Boy McClendon? It was. He was. I liked him because he fought for the players. I remember somebody. Boy McClendon. Cervase has no fire in his belly, dude. No, he's just kind of nonchalant, you know. And not everybody's. Uh, I don't know. He just no, but like to me, like if you're a manager of a baseball team you need that fire to go out there and get in the ref's face when they do a stupid call. Mm-hmm. Just you a lot more passion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just, I don't feel like he's our guy. I feel like next year, hopefully we start to see more of a turnaround. Um, I mean, we've only necessarily had, we've had four years of this new management team that's been our principal owners. Uh, so I just think that it, it is a process of riding the ship. It's just going to take longer than right now. So oh, yeah. Like, and I mean, that's the thing with the rebuild. I mean, Houston yeah. for years and years, garbage, just garbage. I mean, they won a world series earlier in the two thousands, but when they were doing their rebuild, they were garbage when they were getting guys like Altuve and Springer and Correa. Yeah. Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm. They were bad. They were bad. So, it, 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 you know, I don't need to repeat myself. I don't know how many times while talking about the Mariners on this podcast, I've had to say just the the ideology that they were uh, rebuilding uh, from 2001 to 2018 doesn't make sense to me. Because why would you sign Nelson Cruz? Why, why do you sign Robinson Cano? You know, why do you at one point sign Cliff Lee? It doesn't, you're not rebuilding. They were not rebuilding. There was it was like putting band-aids consistently over it's like if you've got a life raft and someone pokes a hole in it and you try to put band-aids on it, you're not addressing the main issue. They weren't, you know, it was it was it was a lot of plug and play. Uh, and now like that second half of 2019, and I say second half because they were winning games in the first half of 2019. Which had Edwin Encarnacion and Vogelback was a all-star. That'll uh, I'll never forget that. That was interesting. Um, they were hitting all these home runs. You know, they had uh, Jay Bruce who was hitting home runs for this team. And then 2019, people got traded. Like, uh, oh shoot, was Tim Beckham? No, what's his name? Ah, Tim Beckham. Domingo Santana. Oh, that was a weird signing. Domingo Santana, and he got traded. Yeah. And then Encarnacion got traded. Yeah. That's when it really looked to me like they started to say, okay, let's rebuild this thing. Um, yeah, because when you burn the barn down, you know, like yeah. Felix, Nelly, 
Robinson, Edward Encarnacion, who wasn't like, I mean, didn't contribute as much as him, but we signed him for whatever reason. Yeah. Santana, like when all those guys that we brought in just kind of disappear over a year or so, you start to think, yeah, we're in full rebuild mode. You, yeah, you kind of understand that. Hopefully you understand that. All of a sudden you're signing James Paxson two years later? Uh, yeah, which is interesting to me. And it kind of makes you go, well, where I are I don't know if it's just like a, hey, you know, we are still kind of doing stuff. You can come and showcase yourself. Maybe get yourself to a better team next Yeah, team. that's what I'd kind have like to what we think. Did with, uh, Taiwan Walker a little bit. Sign Taiwan. Sign Taiwan right now. Do it. Do it. Amy, I'll send a text to Jerry. He's cheap and he's good. He's a free agent. He's um, cheap and he's good. I, I don't see why not. <laughs> it just, you know, it's like, uh, but I don't know. I've always been really upset with that. It's just people don't understand the oh, rebuilding since 2001. When it's, you know, if you understand baseball, you kind of know that's not the case. Maybe it's just the pessimism. We Maybe made some just... jabs. We made some jabs. I know. But, you know, I, I understand that they haven't been rebuilding, you know. Yeah. Um, there were definitely times where we wanted, like, yeah, like you said, when we signed all I mean, guys, I'm not, I, am I happy with the, the longest uh, playoff drought in the four majors? No. <laughs> I like winning. What is What did, uh, was Mike Singletary when he was a coach of the 49ers? I like winner. I want winners. I want winners. <laughs> but right now, I can understand that there's a thing called rebuilding. And do I think we'll be really... Oh, we already swore. Do I think we'll be fucking good in two to three years? Yes, I will. I guess okay. I do. When when you got you get guys up from the uh, farm system like Emerson Hancock and Joey Gerber and uh, shoot, what's the big ah uh, George Kirby from the road? That's just pitching. That was the thing last right. year. Uh, no, 2019. I remember I was working the game in 2019 because they have the draft in like the middle of the season, which is really bizarre. I don't know why they do that. Um, yeah, it is weird. I don't know yeah, no, because I, I, I was at a game and they were showing the picks, and I was like, "Why is this?" Um, and they picked. I was oh, because my father was at that game. I think it was his birthday game, um, and I went to visit him when I had my lunch. And some would they they showed the picks, and it was I think it was uh, Emerson Hancock, and they go, some lady behind me, "Why are they picking pitchers? They need more bats." So I was like, "Oh my god, mm, lady," because <laughs> I mean. When we look at the offense, uh, it's always weird when I say offense when I think about baseball because it's not as, you know, because they play both ways. Um, I mean, Kyle Lewis has power. Obviously, he's not, like, consistently Mike Trout, but we know he's got power, and he, he can still work on things, but, he, I mean, he's not old. It's Evan fast. White. Oh, get out. Evan White had uh, – Evan White hadn't faced triple-A uh, hitting – triple-A pitching – and he still had his home runs here, here and there. He's still figuring out major league pitching, but you know, JP Crawford's all right. Uh, oh shoot, who did we trade? Who's the uh, catcher we traded? Zuino. No, 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 no. Oh, Last year, uh, Marbles. Hmm? Marble Eunice. No, the catcher from last year. What's his name. Oh, Aaron Ostinola. Ostinola oh. had. Yes, Ostinola. He was good. He was in the trade for. Uh, we traded him for in a, a couple other people for Ty France and Taylor Trammell. Um, but anyways, to get back to my point, um, there's the, the farm system is loaded right now. Um, and there's a reason that in all these articles about MLB farm systems, the, the Mariners are in the top three consistently. And sometimes they're in the top five, but I think top three is 
where they should be. I think if you're in top five, you're wrong. Um, but anyway, uh, I think two to three years is a safe bet. I might be a little more excited. Um, so I might have pushed up my schedule. But I think two to three years is a good uh, good indication. Um, but it, 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 that, that, to get to the point, I don't think people should be expecting a playoff run this year because it's like every year since 2001, they're like, oh, they owe me a playoff berth. And I'm like, I don't think they owe you anything. <laughs> Just because you paid the $10 for your ticket, uh, I don't think that, you know, it doesn't say on the ticket, you are owed playoff berth. You know, it's a... Uh, the sense of entitlement that people get from teams, uh, pl- uh, sports sometimes. It's like, I don't know what you think, but that's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, I think two to three years is, a, I think, it's a pretty solid uh, time frame. Uh, because with baseball, it's not like the the uh, NFL where dudes can be 19 or 20 and they can come and they can contribute on an NFL roster. Or even basketball where they used to let them get drafted from high school and they would contribute to an NBA team. Um I think Marmalejos he, is who I was thinking of. Oh, Jose Marmalejos. Yeah, he he had some good uh, he had some good moments. You remember Dejo Lee back in the day? Hey, he was my favorite baseball player. Ever. Yes, yes, I remember he hit some uh, some game winners. Yeah, he hit some dingers, bro. Dejo. If I could, uh, oh no, there was one day I went to the uh, team store location on Westlake and they had a Dejo jersey, and I hesitated, and it's gone forever terrible no kidding i didn't know marmaleos was still on our team yeah jose's still here um oh, yeah. i thought we traded him no no oh we traded narvaez oh yes omar i liked omar too he was a good hitter he was like mike zunino too <laughs> terrible mike zunino my dad a, would like you had a, he likes zunino hit a dinger in the playoffs i remember there was a game that we were at and the bases were loaded for zunino and I looked at him and I said, oh, no, it was two outs. And I told my dad, I said, he's going to strike out right here. My dad said, no, you're not. He's going to hit a home run. And what did he do? Hit a grand slam. He almost hit it out of the park. I said, God damn it, Mike Zanino. <laughs> damn you, Mike Zanino. <laughs> he did okay for the Rays. He did okay. So, you know, um, yeah. To uh, to end the rant there, two to three years is, I think, a good, uh, good time frame. Um, and to speak about uh, minor league, the MLB and the MILB, which is a major uh, – I don't know what. Oh, I forget it's supposed to be minor league baseball. Uh, reconfigured minor league teams um, a few days ago due to the pandemic. Some teams weren't able to keep uh, their affiliates just because it wasn't financially viable. I don't know how money is made, how money works in the MLB, but they had to let some teams go. Um, and after this was all reconfigured, the Mariners are left with four affiliates, uh, starting with the Modesto Nuts as the low A affiliate. God bless those nuts. Uh, the Everett Aqua Sox is a high A affiliate. Funko, the Funko, Funko Field. Uh, if you get the chance and you go to get to go up to Everett, it's uh, cool to go up there and see the uh, Aqua Sox. Um, the Double A affiliate is the Arkansas Travelers, and the Triple A affiliate, as always, the lovely Tacoma Rainiers down in Tacoma. Uh, go down there and see Rhubarb, their mascot, who is basically like baby moose. Um, so that's it for Mariners news. We've got four affiliates now. I believe there used to be more, um, but just because of the pandemic, some teams are not able to keep all of their minor league affiliates. Um, and then in baseball related general news, uh, major league baseball will not require, require players to be vaccinated. And I mean, it makes sense if we take it um, just from a general standpoint, a lot of these like 20 to 30 year old men 
probably weren't going to be first in line anyways. So, I mean, it makes sense. And it's, you know, it's good just because you don't really want to set that precedent that these players are higher than anybody else, like teachers or something. Um, so what about the travelers? Did you mention the travelers? Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah. They're the double uh, A affiliate. Oh, I didn't notice you mentioned them. Okay. You curse you. God bless the travelers. Um, I only have one bit of Sounders news for you. The MLS season will begin on April 17th. It was in jeopardy because of a potential strike with the players union, but that will not happen. They will begin the season on April 17th, which is a little bit later than I think they normally would have, but we will get uh, more Sounders ball here in two months. Um, I still can't swallow that loss to uh, Columbus crew. That was terrible. What a weird give up of a game. It's not like it was close either. Like if it was close, maybe, but you know, not to dwell on things. It's not like we still dwell on Super Bowl 49. Um, Storm news. (laughs) It was a big week uh, last week for the storm. Uh, A lot of things took place on the 10th of February, which is also my sister's birthday. Uh, Happy late birthday to my sister. Um, and this all took place prior to noon. So like, it it was a busy morning. The first, there were four trades that the storm were involved in. All right. The first trade was Seattle sent Natasha Howard to the New York Liberty and received the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Okay. Remember that Bennett, they received Phoenix's, uh, 2022 first round pick in New York's 2022 second round pick. So, I mean, they got, um, a pretty big flurry for Natasha Howard and it, which sucks because I wanted to see them extend Natasha Howard and they had cored Natasha Howard, which mean what core is, is like, it's almost like a franchise tag, right? Right. Uh, where they get exclusive rights to uh, negotiate contract with somebody, but they can the thing with the core is you can only do it twice in someone's career. Uh, but obviously I guess they didn't reach a deal. So they sent her to New York um, and they got that, they got a number one pick and a first rounder and a second rounder. So that's a lot. Um, so in the second rounder, they immediately got away uh, with trading that first round pick of Phoenix. They sent the, to the, the Phoenix 2022 first round pick to Minnesota for Micaiah Herbert Harrigan. Um, uh, who Micaiah Herbert Harrigan is a long name. Uh, she's a second year player. Um, they acquired only forwards in this draft. There's no guards. There's no set. They're all forwards, which is very interesting to me. But uh, regardless, so they, they sent away that to get a younger player. Uh, in the third trade, they sent um, former Husky uh, Sammy Whitcomb to New York. Well, that's a trade with New York here. Uh, to receive the rights to Stephanie Talbot. Talbot's kind of uh, another uh, below third-year player. Um, hasn't really played too much in the WNBA, but has spent some other years overseas. Uh, and it sucks to see Sammy Whitcomb go because, uh, I mean, she had the UW connection. Uh, and she'd done a lot of, for the community and was just a great spark plug, off, spark plug off the bench. And then the fourth and final trade, Seattle took the number one overall pick in the draft. They had it in their hands and they said, no, you're going to Dallas. And they sent it to Dallas for Katie Lou Samuelson and the Dallas 2022 second round pick. Um, which is an interesting, interesting trade because number one overall pick, right, Bennett? So you'd think, hey, You've got a pretty good pick here. Okay. From what I understand, though, is that this is a pretty weak draft. It's like if, you know, 
do you remember uh, like historically weak draft in the NFL? Ah, hmm. uh, I did two years ago. Yeah, it's like if you took if you had the number one overall pick and you you didn't really see anybody you wanted. It's like, well, what do I do with this? You just trade it. Um, so Katie Lou is a second year player out of UConn um, and has shown some good spark. Uh, but there was some dismay from the fans. Like, hey, you had the number one overall pick. What the F, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, Seattle ended up with Katie Lou Samuelson, Micaiah Herbert-Harrigan, the Dallas 2022 second-round pick, New York's 2022 second-round pick, and the rights of Stephanie Talbot. <sighs> so they turned Natasha Howard and Sammy Whitcomb into that, which is interesting. Um, they acquired two, three forwards, um, which is interesting. Because you've already got Brianna Stewart and Epiphany Prince <laughs> at the forward position. Now, is there any real reason, like why, why this week out of all the weeks was it so hectic? It, it's uh, from late January, and I think for February it's free agency. Oh, okay. So it is the off season, um, and I believe yeah. they start the season in the summer. So this is kind of their off season, and it's like, uh, I think the draft is in April. So they're preparing, I guess. It, 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 it's basically like if we were... Uh, it's like the Seahawks gearing up in like... Uh, is it March? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's that's basically what it is. It's like it's their off season. Um, but it's, I mean, I don't know. I had been a fan of Katie Lou Samuelson before this. So when I saw her name pop up, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um but I, I, I was less uh, disappointed about the number one overall pick thing when I kind of learned that there's nobody that really sticks out. There's somebody at UConn, her name's Paige Beckers, and she's really good, uh, but she's a freshman. And from my – so obviously I assume she can't – it's not like the uh, D1 men's where you can just be a freshman, and once you're as a freshman, you can just go. So um, from what I understand, there's nobody that really sticks out in this draft. Um, and they've got these young players at the forward position, and you've got – uh, Brianna Stewart in this championship caliber team that's been championship caliber for years uh, and even made the playoffs when Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird were injured so I mean if you've got two of your best players injured and you make the playoffs it's not a bad thing I don't think the Seahawks could say that they would make the playoffs <laughs> if Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson are injured we are going I don't know if we win two games so um, eh, two games maybe maybe we win four uh, I'd say three and thirteen. <laughs> I'd say three and thirteen. Um, but yeah, it was it was very busy, and that was all on Wednesday before noon. So, um, and then so the storm went signed Stephanie Talbot and Tamira Young the training camp contracts. Uh, so I believe they've only got one more spot left on that roster. So training camp and the draft are coming up for the storm, but they obviously had that big trade uh, trade news come up. So that was uh, that was that was a lot of information that jammed down your throat um that's all that i have for uh, storm news pardon me i do have a bit of sonics related news um last oh. week uh, sonics guy you've seen sonics guy have i seen the sonics guy no no oh uh his name was christopher bannon he was a a lot of uh seattle sports related events he'd be at sounders games and he was at like the championship parade for the sounders and the uh, Seahawks and he was at all these different like uh, sports events and he always had he had a big afro and he was always wearing a ton of Sonic stuff and he had a Sonic a sign that said bring back our Sonics and he was kind of like like 
I guess I guess you're I can remove your Seattleite card. You don't get that anymore. That's okay. Uh, but I mean, you get the point. He was at a lot of these events. Um, I will say was, this is uh, this will double down and really take away my Seattle sports card. Uh, oh, what are you gonna uh, say, I Bennett? Not, I did not really watch the Sonics growing up. I mean, we were small. I only really watched baseball when I was young. Oh yeah, I mean, I didn't watch football for a period of time. I watched. I probably started watching the Seahawks hard in 2011, 2010. Yeah, no, I agree. When you're when you're nine or ten or eleven, that's when you're really starting to understand what's even barely going on. And before yeah. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think that's enough to crucify you on. I think you're okay. Um, no, a lot of my friends are really bummed in middle school when the Sonics left, so I kind of felt that energy. Well, because and then um, I don't care. We're in the off season. I can get off topic. Uh, there was a player in the NBA named Charlie Volnaweva, and he had alopecia. So when he came to Seattle, Storm. Yeah, I, well, it's funny. Uh, I was in the Magnolia News because of it because I got to meet him. They put oh, cool. me in the Magnolia News, like at, I, um, at my. Him. Oh, because who? Oh, the Westbrook thing. No, no, because oh. who did he play for before Seattle? He never played for Seattle. Oh, was he just here for? Yeah, he was on a, an away game. Yeah, I just I remember I, I he was on a team that I used to play a lot of in two K, and two K is kind of what got me into sports as a whole. <laughs> no, he um he had alopecia, and I remember I got we went to Key Arena for a Sonics game, and I was courtside. Because he would he would do a lot of stuff for alopecia kids, and that was really cool. And my uncle Steve always tells me he never went to a Sonic game. But I was like, no, I was courtside. Um, but yeah, so uh, Christopher Bannon, um, he was always repping Sonic stuff at every Seattle event he would go to, uh, and he passed away. So just uh, he would always have a sign that said, "Bring back our Sonics." Oh man, that's sad. And I hope in recent years, I mean, he didn't get to see it, which really sucks. And uh, I hope that in, you know, within two to three years, maybe five years, uh, we can get a team back for him. Uh, and I hope that in some way he can be more. Because I kid you not, Bennett, like like all these sports events, even at just normal Mariners game, he was always there and he always had Sonic stuff on. So, um, you know, just, uh, uh, Hope he's uh, doing okay. Hope the family's all right. Uh, may he rest in peace um, and bring back our fucking Sonics. So. Yeah, man. I don't know. Like the Sonics, it's so wild because like for maybe, I don't know, 17 years of my life, I did not care about NBA football. And it's because, you know, that crucial part in where you're starting to get into sports 13, 14, 15 or so, we, we didn't have an NBA team. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like, so I'd never really paid I never really, basketball was never something I cared about. Like, if you asked my favorite basketball player it, when I was like 13 or so, um, it would have been the guy I was really good at using. Okay. <sighs> and it would have been Chauncey Bullock. Uh, Bill oh, my God. <laughs> Chauncey Bullock. I could just like spam the three with him in like uh, 289 or whatever with Chris Chauncey Paul. Bullock. Uh, and that's why I know who Villanueva is because he was on the team with Chauncey Bullock. Was it the, the Pistons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was on. Yeah, yeah, he was on the Pistons. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I just and then like, of course now I've fallen in love with the Trailblazers, which I understand is a big Sonics no no. Well, I think a lot of I think a lot of us have gone to that. Um, but I've just like been so endeared by that team because I really love Damian Lillard and I really love. Um, 
Plus you're in Portland right now. Plus I live in Portland, yeah. <laughs> kind of surrounded by that culture. Uh, but I'd love to see the Sonics come back because it would actually give me a home team to root for alongside the Blazers. I used to root for the Blazers and the Clippers, and then the Clippers got a little too big for me. <sighs> well, and then it's it's not like it wouldn't make sense to have a team here. It makes it sense does, to it, have it, a team It here. makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of people said St. Louis. What? It'd be like a two-team market because it would be um, oh, God. the Royals. Ugh. Wait, hold on. I think Mahomes was advocating for it. The Cardinals. It'd be the Cardinals. I said the, the Royals. That's wrong. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. It'd be the Cardinals and then whatever baseball team or whatever basketball team they want to move there. Yeah. yeah, Mahomes is rooting for it. But I think, in my opinion, it should be Las Vegas and Seattle. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, really – once we get a team, I don't give a fuck who you give a team yeah, to. Give Go a ahead. Give it to I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, any on any list of priority for who should get it, because the NBA talks, I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but NBA's basically said we're going to have these expansion teams and they're going to be a certain fee. And, you know, they're going to open up bidding. It's, I mean, it's almost like you should just give it one. Right. Because, I, mean, I mean, there's a proven market. I mean, how many people, how many times have you seen Sonic stuff out and out and about? I get Everybody. asked about Sonic stuff in my work, which we should have it, but we don't. Oh, um, I'm not in charge of it. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> the pro teams have, like um, the pro stores have it still. Yeah. So it's, 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 and I mean, oh God, you're going to piss me off. And not just because of just being you, just the St. Louis thing. Cause I, right. cause I, I think, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of cities are clamoring for it, but I just remember so many of those Rams games in that stupid stadium. Empty empty and there'd be more seahawks sure. fans there i don't know to be fair it was like sam bradford yeah sam who bradford was who was their old running back i can't remember his name steven jackson yeah steven jackson and he had the dreads and they had kenny no 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 they had kenny Britt, and they kenny had Britt. kenny Britt. he was on my fantasy team who did they had isaiah p they had trey mason at one point they had uh, oh 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 they had that gadget uh trayvon austin they had Tavon Tavon austin was big Tavon with them austin. oh he did the stupid uh punt returns that so, just ruined us. But, but they just didn't have they didn't have any fans in the stadium which is why they moved <laughs> yeah and st louis can get mad at Sten cronky all they want but i mean they didn't yeah, show they out in storm however oh, me. no one really goes to rams games in la either <laughs> you're a funny guy aren't you um so yeah. you know yeah. it, it like like we've said it makes sense and it should happen just and, do it, you guys. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm getting ranty at this point. So, uh, but it's okay. Sonics. Uh, I do have Kraken stuff. Hockey, hockey, Bennett. Hockey. Oh, oh, oh hockey. Um, Kraken president Todd Lowecki. I really hope I didn't botch that. Uh, had two pieces of information to share. Uh, he says that there's a chance that they may wait until the NHL regular season ends uh, in May to name a head coach just because they want to factor in candidates that may become available. Smart. Um, and that, uh, they call them sweaters. I, it confuses me, but they said that he said that those are more than likely going to be available in the summer, uh, which would be good just because the season will be taking place in the fall. So get everybody all hyped up. I'll buy one. I just, it confuses me when people say sweaters. I'm like, isn't that a Jersey? But you know, so, uh, that is, we've got that to look forward to, uh, just to be uh, heads up in May. Uh, may uh, may look for 
any of the uh, teams that let go of their coaches at the end of the regular season. And then July is expansion draft time. So summer is going to be big for Kraken, despite the fact that they won't be playing yet. Uh, no Dragons news. They will be kicking off in 2022. Sad, sad, sad. But they exist uh, technically. They are still around in a way. So uh, we get uh, to... Did you announce that the Krakens will be on uh, Root Sports Northwest? Yes, that was last week or two weeks ago. Okay. And they had, uh, there, so yeah, they had Roots, Root Sports for Home and Away, which is pretty cool just because I what Mariners are on there. And it's super accessible. Yeah, uh, and it's it's pretty easy to get to. So it's like, hey, this is very convenient. Because <laughs> um, I think they announced, too, that John Forslund would be the play-by-play announcer. And I think that was uh, what I had. Um, there's a lot of University of Washington stuff, so Bennett probably won't give a care rap. Uh and you know, football news, the Huskies added former Texas A&M four-star recruit D-lineman Jeremiah Martin via transfer portal. It's such an interesting concept, the uh, transfer portal. It's like, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. Put me, put my name in the portal. Um, ooh, Omari's not here, so I don't get to rub it in. Uh, men's basketball, uh, there were three games to recap. The team played number 20 USC. They lost 69-54, to 54, sad. Uh, Quade Green had 16 points and 11 points. Hamir Wrightland rebounds with four, and Quade Green led with assists uh, with four. Versus UCLA, the team lost 64 to 61. Marcus Sahonis led with 22 points. Hamir Wright led with seven rebounds, and Quade Green again with four uh, assists. And versus Washington State on this fine Monday night, uh, the team won 65 to 63. Uh, Marcus Sahonis had a Big game high of 29 points. Uh, Eric Stevenson led rebounds and assists, both with seven. So uh, Huskies had a win. Yay. Oh, and they hit four wins on the season. So Bennett and I had our bet that they would not win four games this season. We were both wrong. Sad. Um, But they sent out the lovely record of four and 16 now. Um, And they have upcoming games on the 18th versus Stanford, and then on the 20th versus Cal. Uh, On the women's basketball side of things, they played at Arizona State and won 50-35, to which is a weird score. Uh, Quay Miller led in points and rebounds with 10 and 8, respectively, and Tamaya Sadler led assists with 5. They played at number 10 Arizona, excuse me, and lost 75-53. to Quay Miller led points and rebounds again with 13 and a nine respectively. And Haley Van Dyke led assists with three. The team now sits at five and 11, uh, 11th in the Pac-12. So they're not the worst. Uh, And they will play February 19th versus Utah and February 21st versus Colorado. Baseball is being added. Softball is being added. And I'm also adding soccer for men's and women's and volleyball. So I will just make the ending for Bennett and Omari longer. They'll just kind of sit around unless they want to chime in. Uh, the men's team does not play a game. did not play a game in the last week, um, but to preview, the team brings back four seniors this season. Uh, infielders Nick Roberts and Ramon Bramasco. Outfielder Roly Nichols. You don't really hear anybody named Roly anymore, do you, Bennett? Um, and pitcher Leo Nierenberg. Hmm? Common first name. Roly? Yeah. Where? Y- you know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, looking ahead, they will play on the 19th versus Houston Baptist, on the 20th versus Rice, and February 21st versus Little Rock. Softball. Softball is where the meat and potatoes is for this uh, university when it comes to hitting 
balls with bats. Um, <laughs> the softball team is really good. I know. I was just thinking, what a weird way to put it. I don't know how else to put it because they're not both baseball. You could just say they're better than the baseball team. They're better than the baseball team. Uh, to catch you up, uh, they won versus Southern Utah eight to nothing. They beat Dixie State six to five, and then in games last week, uh, they beat Southern Utah nineteen to thirteen, which is not a score you hear very often. Uh, the player of the game was Madison Husky. Very fitting that she goes to the University of Washington. She had two home runs uh, versus UNLV. They won eight to two. The player of the game was Sis Bates. Yes, her name is Sis. It's S I S. She had two hits, one run, one RBI, and one base on balls. Uh, I hate that it's base on balls. Just call it a walk. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, versus Dixie State, they won seven to nothing. Uh, player of the game was Sammy Reynolds with three hits, one run, and four RBIs. Uh, to get you caught up on the UW softball team. They went 23 and two last season before the rest of the season was canceled. Uh, they're bringing back nine senior and above players. And I say above because the, the rule with the NCAA, you know, that they put in uh, to get that extra year of eligibility. You know what I mean? Right. Um, they bring back Morgan flowers, a catcher, Kai Gibson at utility, uh, Sis Bates at infield, Taryn Atley at infield, Noel, he, at utility, Pat Moore at pitcher, Emma Helm at catcher, Gabby Plain, who pitched a perfect game in the season opener at pitcher, uh, and Livy Scheel at outfield. They're currently ranked number two in the nation, uh, and they will have games on the 18th versus Brigham Young, 19th versus Nevada, Dixie State, uh, February 20th. Where can I watch those? Uh, if you actually cared to watch them. You could go on the University of Washington Athletics website and you go to softball and there actually are links for streams to these games. Um, who, does I, the, who does the play-by-play? I don't know. You should do the, do the play-by-play, Chuck. Hell yeah. I would love yeah, they want a, they want a They want a World Series or something. Well, like, and then the, uh, the 2019, they went to the World Series and they lost 3 nothing, uh to UCLA, who was ranked number two at the time. I think they went 56-9 and nine that year. <laughs> they're pretty good yeah jeez um and i i apologize i messed up on the 19th of february they play nevada and dixie state wow. on the 20th they play utah state and february 21st they play versus utah valley this is the dixie state classic so it's one of those tournaments so they're gonna play a bunch of games they're like they pack them all in there um so that is the state of the volleyball team they're very good um soccer men's soccer is all right uh, they're ranked number eight in the NCAA right now for Division One men's soccer. Uh, to catch you up, they played Northwest University, sick, and they beat them six to nothing on February fourth. And on the seventh of February, they beat Gonzaga three to nothing. Sorry, Gonzaga, you can go back and enjoy your basketball team. They're pretty good. Uh, they were supposed to have games last week versus Seattle Pacific and Portland, Portland, uh, but they're both canceled. I'm just assuming that's because of COVID protocol. Oh, the soccer team in Portland, by the way? Yes. They were supposed to play at Portland, too. They're nasty. Uh, oh, shit. So uh, we will get that matchup later in the season. Uh, but at uh, least that's what I understand. In terms of upcoming, they play Oregon State on the 20th. Uh, the women's team has only played the one game versus Seattle U, and they won one to nothing. Play of the game, Summer Yates with the one goal. Uh, the team brings back eight seniors, uh, Kaylin Hang at defender, Jessica Cowart at midfielder, Amira Hassan at midfielder, uh, Mariah Gray at forward, Siana Simonsma at midfielder, Olivia Vander Jacked, Jat, Jacked at midfielder, Mary Johnson at forward, and Laura Roberts at defender. They are ranked number 
22nd, the, they're 22nd in the NCAA for Division One women's soccer, and they will play Seattle Pacific on the 20th. Volleyball is also pretty good. Uh, they're ranked 10th in the NCAA. Uh, to catch you up, they lost their first game versus Arizona State, 0-3. to I don't know how scoring goes and individual stats go on volleyball, but we're going as we learn. We're learning as we go. Uh, they beat Arizona State uh, and Arizona 3-1 to and 3 to nothing, respectively. Then they beat Arizona again, three to two. Then they beat Oregon State, three to one, and three to nothing. Uh, and then last week they lost to UCLA, two to three. And if anybody knows volleyball, please feel free to correct me. Um, but the player of the game was Claire Hoffman with 15 kills. I think that's what they're called. I'm oh. still learning as we go. Interesting uh, word for statistic. Yeah, that's, that's terminology. Um, and then the other game versus UCLA, they won three to nothing, and Claire, Hoff- Claire Hoffman again, this time with nine kills. So on the 19th of February, they will play at Colorado, and then they will play at Colorado again on the 21st. So that is our wrap up. A uh, little bit of an extended UW athletics, but there are a lot of good teams at UW, so I feel like I would be criminal oh. to not cover them, especially the volleyball and the softball teams, baseball. And they could be better. By the way, Chuck, that game was uh, canceled because of the weather. Oh, what? Oh, snowed like crazy. Over I don't know what you're talking about. Play in the snow, kick the ball. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that would make sense. Um, and that makes sense. Thank you, Bennett, for the correction. That's why we have people here, so I can be corrected because I'm not always right. I know that you know some people do think I'm pretty great. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what a <fun>. but yeah, <laughs> no Omari this week. So uh, hoping to get Omari back next week. We've had a we've had a fun little rotation going. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's like a bunch of different combinations. Uh, last week I was by myself. One week it's just me and Omari. Sometimes it's all three of us. Sometimes it's me and Bennett. And then over at, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. It, it was, was just Bennett. <laughs> oh, actually, it was me and Omari. If you listen to that episode, what? yeah, because like I got in touch with Omari last second. He was finally like, "Oh yeah, I can go. I can go." I and I was like, "Oh, really? I was gonna listen so, to this tonight. God damn it. That was cool, but also <laughs> we it was the most rambling episode ever because we had no one to keep us in check. So we just kind of talked about everything. Yeah, and you know if if there's any reason that you like Star Wars, if you like things Star Wars related, please go check it out. You know we're going through prequels right now. We've gone through well, we've are, we are it started off with Mandalorian season two. Uh, there's other Star Wars related news, a lot of stuff that came out a few what was a few months ago uh, with Disney's uh, sort of uh, corporate announcements about different projects. Um, and then I think we're I don't know, are we going through sequels? I will go through the we'll go through the original o- trilogy. We'll go through the OT eventually. Um, so you know, Star Wars. I've got a bad feeling about this. It is on everywhere else you can find this podcast. So that is all we've got. A uh, little bit more information, a little more juice this week, and we will be back on the I believe it's the twenty second, twenty second of February. Uh, this is Charles, and joined by Bennett. Say something, Bennett. Okay, hello. And we do not do ASMR, even though we uh, sometimes sound like it. And uh, we will be back on the 22nd. I am making sure not to say a certain thing. Thank you very much. Baba Bowie.